Hello and welcome to episode 15 of the Phillies Focus Pod here at the midway point of the 2023 MLB season. On today's episode, I will be naming an MVP for the first half for the Phillies, as well as the least valuable player. Biggest surprises of the first half, as well as keys to the second half, and a record prediction for the final 73 games. I will be ending today's episode with the top 10 games from the first half of the season. So without further ado, let's get this show started. Everyone was asked their favorite superheroes. You said Scooby-Doo. I I didn't realize Scooby-Doo was a superhero. Can you kind of explain his superhero lore? I mean, well, first off, he's a dog, right? And he can talk. Fair enough. Okay. Well, we made it to the All-Star break with our heads above water, so it's been quite an up and down season so far. It's good to be here. We, uh, It's nice to cap off the first half at 48 and 41. Things, uh, things could have been a lot worse. We're looking worse when it seems like just a little bit ago we were 25 and 32, so... Uh, and the first half on a nice 23-9 and nine stretch. Could have been better if we didn't drop those last two in Miami. But hey, could have been a lot worse as well. So um, yeah, a lot to look forward to as we're right in the thick of it. Only a game or a half game behind the Giants now who uh, overtook us after we had a brief uh, moment in the wild card spot. But half game back going in, we got... Let's see, 73 games left on the slate. Get more to that a little bit later. So I did want to start off the show by um, naming an MVP from the first half of the season. And to no surprise, I think that has to be Nick Cassianos, um, our lone offensive all-star. Um, yeah, what a bounce-back year for, for Nick. Uh, so happy to see it as he's gaining comfortability after a last uh, last minute signing after the lockout last year um, wasn't able to really settle into Philly before the season wife got pregnant had a second son things were just kind of all over the place um, psychologically for him last year which he attributed to um, not being comfortable in the field which makes sense I mean at the end of the day these these guys are human right so um yeah, Nick has uh, 13 home runs in the first half, which is already tied for his total of last year. He has 55 RBIs, um, only seven behind his total from last year. I was pretty surprised to see he only had 62 RBIs last year. So just seven more to go to um, tie his total. And he has a, he is striking out more than last year, which I was surprised to see, but he's also walking a lot more too. He only had 29 walks last year. Already has 24 walks this year, so um, a little bit more patient at the plate. He is um, batting 301, uh, 344 on base percentage, and a 496 slugging percentage. He's also hitting a lot of doubles. Um, so he has an 840 OPS as well as a 2.1 uh, wins above replacement. So. Um, yeah, all in all, uh, just a tremendous bounce-back year after last season, and uh, it's been very much needed. He's been their most consistent um, offensive player so far this year. So, 
he's well deserving of the midseason MVP for the Phillies so far. Um, honorable mention to Bryson Stott, who um, has been uh, just super reliable so far this year. He uh, some numbers that pop out. He has 16 stolen bases already this year. He is batting over 300 into the break, also at 301, and um, he actually leads the the team in WAR. Um, wins above replacement at 2.4. He's also leads the team in defensive war as well. Um, he's been their best defensive player at 0.7 defensive war. Um, so you could make an argument for for him uh, that he's actually been our most uh, consistent, valuable player as well. So did want to mention that. Um, a couple other things. Speaking of Stott. Some uh, some big highlights of the first half of the year. Stott did open up the season for the Phillies, uh, set a new franchise record for consecutive hits to start the year. Um, that w- that ended at 17. So uh, that was a really cool storyline to start off right out of the gates in spite of some uh, early season struggles for the team. That was something exciting that started off the year. So I wanted to make sure I mentioned that as we... Uh, Kind of look back on the first half that was. Um, another one that's uh, a lot more fresh that just came to an end on sa- uh, Saturday was a tying a franchise record for consecutive road victories, uh, which uh, ended tied at 13 in a row, which was um, just an awesome stretch by the Phillies. I mean, they were really struggling on the road to start the year until that stretch there. So that really helped to uh, turn this team around. Um, so MVP Nick Cassianos, honorable mention to Bryson Stott, so least valuable player so far for the team. Um, in spite of him being by far the home run leader on the team, it's got to be Kyle Schwarber. Um, Kyle Schwarber has just been really horrendous so far this year outside of his uh, brief, uh, or not brief, but outside of his power stroke. Um, he's already struck out 117 times. He is on pace to potentially set uh, an all-time record in the majors for most strikeouts in the season. He's batting 184. Um, he is a minus 1.2 wins above replacement. So um, you could replace him with an average player, and the Phillies would uh, arguably be more than a game better in the standings um, in spite of his power. Um, and that's not even including his defense. He is a minus 2.2 defensive war, um, which matches his total from all of last season in left field, which is that's bad enough for a season, let alone a half a season. I mean, to be on pace for, um, I think, 4.2 or 4.3, minus 4.3 defensive war um, this season. I mean, you're looking at, you know, he could cost the team five or six wins um, with his production or lack thereof this season. I mean, to put in the potential for him being minus 4.3 defensive war in perspective, 2018 left fielder uh, Reese Hoskins, who I thought was the worst left fielder I've ever seen, um, was a minus 3.6 in left field um, war, defensive war. So Schwarber is on pace to outdo 2008 Hoskins in left field by almost a full game. Um, also, Pat Burrell, who is notoriously not very fleet of foot out there, uh, his worst ever defensive season was a minus 3.3. So Kyle Schwarber has just been horrendous. Um, hopefully we get Bryce playing first base 
as we transition to the second half so that we can move Schwarber into the DH spot where he belongs. Um, honorable mention for least valuable player to Trey Turner, who has uh, also been really holding this team back by his lack of production. and struck out 95 times already this year. He's only getting on base at a 299 percentage. Um, OPS has been well below 700 for almost the whole year and sits at 687 as of right now. So Trey Turner has not been getting the job done as well. Um, biggest surprise award goes to a tie between Brandon Marsh and Christian Pache. Um, combined, they have 23 doubles. Brandon Marsh is batting 275. Pache so far is batting 327, albeit in a short sample size, almost exclusively against uh, left-handers. Um, Brandon Marsh is OPS is 799, um, so that's been a huge surprise. Has also not been horrible against lefties, at least not to start off the year. And uh, Pache is at a of 957 OPS, again, in a, a small sample size. But nonetheless, they have combined for a 3.1 wins above replacement and a uh, 0.8 defensive wins above replacement. So as a, uh, a duality there, pl- potential platoon in center field, they have been good for about four victories for the Phillies so far this year. So awesome production um from the young guys what they call the daycare when it comes to Bryson Stott Brandon Marsh Christian Pache and uh Alec Bohm's had a a fairly nice season so far as well um honorable mentions to the biggest surprise so far go to Christopher Sanchez who has really held down that uh fifth starter spot since he has been um kind of thrust into that role for I think the last four four or five starts has been um just really, really good and um, reliable. So hopefully that continues. And uh, Matt Strom, who has uh, looked like a great signing, has really got them through that early uh, early season struggles with Ranger Suarez missing extended time out of spring training. Um, it's hard to think what they would have done without Matt Strom stepping into that starter role the way he did. Um, was honestly one of the probably their best uh, starter in the first month, month and a half of this season. Um, So uh, some good things happening there as well. Let's see here. So some keys to the second half as we move forward. Mentioned Trey Turner's struggles um, with him. So far, it's just really about plate discipline right now. I mean, I talked about how Castellanos um, just didn't seem comfortable all year last year transitioning uh, to Philly first time. And so that... That's the thing in baseball. It takes uh, players, once they sign big contracts, a little bit to settle in. But um, nonetheless, we're going to need it. Uh, we're going to need it this year. We can't wait until next year, full off season with Turner to get comfortable. He's got to figure it out as we move into the second half. And, um, yeah, he's really just got to be a, a lot more patient at the plate. I mentioned already, what was it? excuse me, uh, 95 strikeouts already for Turner. That's way too much. Um, he, the biggest thing is his chasing. You know, he's swinging at balls outside the zone in every which way. He's swinging at the high fastball by the letters, the balls in the dirt, the breaking balls in the dirt. He's swinging at pitches way inside and way outside. Um, 
So he's really, I really hope to see him cut down on his chasing as we, uh, you know, finish out this year going down the stretch here. Um, I'd like to see more walks. He has uh, really picked up his stolen bases um, in the last couple, in the last month or so here, which has been nice. So I do have confidence that he will be a lot better in the second half. There's not a very high bar to set, especially for him. Um, so that could really go a long way in catapulting this team moving forward. Um, same thing with Kyle Schwarber. It just seems like, I know he's a pull hitter. That's where his power comes from. But um, I would love to see him just use a little bit more of the, the field um, in the second half. Just try to get the bat on the ball. Stop, uh, you know, 117 strikeouts is just absurd at this point in the season. Um so, yeah, just try to make more solid contact. I mean, if he could bat somewhere in the realm of 225, 230 for the remainder of the year, um, except 22 home runs, you know, something to get, get around 40 home runs for the year and just, uh, you know, he is walking a lot. I, I will give him that. I think he leads the team in walks. But um, I'd like to see him use a little bit more of the field as we go into the second half. Um Bryce Harper, I think he's going to be all right. I mean, um, he's still, his production has been really solid in spite of his lack of power. He's still getting some doubles and whatnot, and I think the power is going to come. So I, I don't have too much to mention about Harper. I think that um, getting Harper's power back at, in the second half is going to be like adding a power bat at the, uh, at the deadline, which is um, I think he just needs to settle in and uh, – just keep playing his game, and it's going to come. And speaking of power bats at the deadline, I do think that we, that is our biggest necessity um, that we, we should be looking for at the deadline. And I think um, a guy I've really had my eye on, I don't... Boston's been playing, <coughs> excuse me, playing pretty well going into the, uh, the break here. So I don't know if they're going to be willing to get rid of Adam Duvall, but he is the quintessential fit for this team um they do need more right-handed power um if only jake cave was a right-hander that that would be awesome but uh nonetheless uh adam duvall right-handed power bat um plus center fielder or plus outfielder i should say um so you could slide him right into left field really nicely with marsh and center cassianos and right and um you know, you could have some really good late-game defensive lineups with uh, you could move Marsh to right and bring in Pache in center, Duv Duvall in left for, um, you know, ninth inning save situations and big moments. And, uh, yeah, Adam Duvall would be the perfect fit. You might have to give, give up a guy like uh, De La Cruz, who had a 39-game on-base streak in Reading. Um, six nine outfielder can play first, really versatile and um, looking like quite the prospect. You might have to give up a guy like him, maybe a guy like Johan Rojas or um, something of that nature. But uh, I would love to see the Phillies get Adam Duvall, Schwarber to DH, Bryce at first, and um, all kinds of options there defensively. Not to mention, you could slide him right into the cleanup spot for this Phillies team. Um, that would be a huge turning point. Um, another, I, uh, people talk about the fifth starter, um, and, you know, now that Alvarado's looking a little shaky in terms of injury, as well as Dominguez, and a pretty high workload for the bullpen, um, 
You might want to add uh, a, another high leverage reliever. Um, but a lot of people are talking about, you know, that fifth starter spot, that fifth starter spot. And, you know, I don't want another, uh, like, Noah Syndergaard. I don't want a guy like Drew Smiley. Um, you know, all these kind of mid-tier starters that the Phillies have traded for throughout the year. So if they're going to add a starter, I say go big. Go big. Get a guy um, like Dylan Cease, who was in the Cy Young race in the AL last year for the, the struggling White Sox this year. He could potentially be available. Um does have another couple years remaining on his contract, so you might as well go big if you're going to try to get a starter, get get a top-of-the-rotation guy. Um, it's potential that you might have to give up um, maybe like Mick Abel and Johan Rojas and um, maybe uh, maybe another you know lower-end prospect. Um, so it's up to debate whether or not uh, the asking price for Dylan Cease would be worth it, but um, I'd much rather see them get a guy like him or Corbin Burns. They they say is going to be on the market, but the Brewers are playing well, so I doubt it. But um, I'd much rather see a top of the rotation starter than a back of the rotation, because um, you're going to have to overpay in this market for back of the rotation guys anyway. So might as well step it up. Um, but yeah, Adam Duvall would be a perfect right-handed power bat, uh, slide right into the middle of this lineup and perfectly into the outfield as well. Um, let's see here. I would love, uh, I would love to see them, uh, DFA Dylan Covey. I've had enough of the Covey experience. Um, thankfully, or, well, Alvarado's on the injured list, um, so it, it is nice that they uh, did call up Andrew Bellotti finally, who, who's been just raking it down in uh, AAA. Um, so I'm happy to see Bellotti back. Um, but yeah, enough is enough with Dylan Covey. I mean, we we got plenty of depth with uh, Connor Brogdon still in AAA. Eric Goldman, who only had like one inning this year, but we got from the Cubs last year, um, also in AAA. So got plenty of depth in the bullpen. We do not need Dylan Co- Covey on this team anymore. Um, highly doubt this is going to happen, but I would also love to DFA Josh Harrison. Um, offensively, he just doesn't even cut it as a once in a while type of guy. He he's versatile on defense, but not quite worth, um, his lack of production at the plate. Um, so I would, I would love to see them get rid of Harrison and, you know, y'all might laugh, but uh, Scott Kingery's been playing w- really well for the last month or two in AAA. Um, he's equally, if not more versatile than Josh Harrison, um, has more speed. He's stealing a lot of bases, and um, his bat uh, cannot be any worse than Harrison's and should be a lot better. So I would like to see them get rid of Covey and get rid of Harrison and uh, give Scott Kingery a shot at that utility infield slash sometimes outfield spot. Um, those are moves that I would be making if I was Dombrowski and, uh, in charge and hopefully they, uh, they follow suit with that. Um, speaking of adding a power bat at the deadline, so they, uh, they rank, uh, I think it was 18th in the majors with, uh, 99 home runs so far. Out of those 99 home runs, only five of them, five out of 99 have come with multiple runners on base, so... Just a lot of poor timing, a lot of um, not getting those big home runs that we've been so accustomed with this Phillies team over the last few years. Um, So the good news is they're winning in spite of it, and the good news is that there should be regression to the mean with uh, a lot more of those in the second half, but 
we also need to add a player who is capable of hitting those um, multiple uh, run home run shots in the game as well, um, which hopefully will be Adam Duvall. And let's see here. Another good uh, good omen for the second half is the Phillies played uh, the most road games in the major leagues in the first half at 51, um, which means they have the least amount going into the second half. Um, out of 73 games on the slate, 43 of them are at home, which means 30 are on the road. So that's uh, really good. They don't travel outside the Eastern time zone in, again until September 1st, and it's only for a six-game road trip that they uh, they only have six games left outside of the eastern time zone um three in milwaukee and then they go out west for three in san diego and that's september 1st through 6th that that road trip and then that is it that is it for the traveling outside the uh the eastern time zone which is um talk about comfortability talk about settling in this team is great at home um so a lot of things trending in the right direction hopefully it all clicks the way that it Looks like it should on paper. Um, like I said, started off the year 48 and 41, uh, 73 games left. So my prediction in these last 73 games, and I do believe this is relatively conservative, um, could be better, hopefully will not be worse, but I'm going to give them uh, 40 victories in the second half. I, I, I believe they'll go 40 and 33 in these uh, final few months here to give them a 88-74 uh, and 74 final record, which I do believe will be enough to get them into one of those three wildcard spots. 88-74, and 74, a game better than last year's World Series team. Let's see here. So, it's about what I wanted to mention as far as looking back and looking forward. It is uh, time now for I'm going to go over the top 10 games slash moments slash wins in the first half of this 2023 season. Just real quickly before we get into the top 10 uh, best moments in the opening part of the season, I want to touch base on some of the worst losses slash moments from this first half. Um, so I think the worst uh, moment has got to be the, the six-game losing streak that came at the beginning of May. Um, sandwich right in there was that horrible Dodgers series to open up uh, May in LA. Um, we, we got swept. Um, we were outscored 36 to 11 in a three game series, 36 to 11. Um, that minus 25 was the, uh, the worst run differential in a series for the Phillies since 1938. Um, and that includes four-game series. That That's not just in three-game series. Any series for the Phillies, um, that was their worst run differential in um, almost 100 years. Um, and uh, so the worst loss has got to be what capped off that series. Um, on May 3rd, the Phillies were up uh, 5-4 in the eighth inning. Uh, the Dodgers scored two to take the 6-4 lead due to, I believe, a, a Edmundo Sosa pivotal error at third base. Phillies did manage to tie at 6-6 in the top of the ninth, followed by which it was um, Craig Kimbrell and the, uh, the Phillies' low point in this first half, which was the Max Muncy 
walk-off Grand Slam um, to cap off that that horrible series. So that that's got to be their low point. Um, honorable mentions have also got to go to that that horrible opening uh, series of the year down in Texas, um, where they were also gave up like the most runs like ever in in a series to start the year or something of that nature. Um, another low point somewhat recently has to be that, uh, that it was only a two game Atlanta sweep, but the, the Phillies pitched really well in that series, particularly the second game, um, Aaron Nola held them down and it was uh zero zero into the 10th inning, um, in which the, uh, the Braves managed to score five runs to break that zero zero tie, uh, on the back of that Kyle Schwarber error in left field where he just shorted it and and uh it got underneath his glove and it ended up uh instead of what would have been a one to nothing lead for the Braves which the Phillies would have tied at 1-1 um ended up ending the game essentially uh after what was followed by an Azuna home run so those have got to be the worst moments that Max Munt- Muncy walk-off grand slam has got to be the worst moment so I did want to mention that before we get to the good stuff um which uh which I will do right now. So uh honorable mention, so I, I wanted to keep this at a top ten. Um it was hard to narrow it down. So I do wanna give shout outs to two games that I left out of this top ten. Um one of both of them recent. Man, it was a hell of a week to end the uh end the first half. I, I gotta say that. But both recent games, so uh just on July first uh, Philly's offense exploded for 19 runs um, against the Washington Nationals. They they won it by a score 19 to four. It was their most runs scored since 2019. Um, they did it on the back of 18 hits in that one. Um, so that one didn't quite make the cut. And then also on July 4th, the best friend showdown: Aaron Nola versus Zach Eflin down in Tampa Bay, um, which was. Uh, you know, to to start off or end the first half on a really high note, which, uh, given the Rays their first sweep of the season, their first series loss at home, and Zach Eflin's Eflin's first loss in Tampa Bay as well. Aaron Nola went seven point one innings in that game, a uh, tied a career high twelve strikeouts, only one walk and only one run allowed. Um, Zach Eflin, Eflin was not uh, too far behind him. Also went seven innings, gave up two runs, nine strikeouts, and zero walks. Um, so that was just a great game. Phillies won it by a score of two to one. Um, really good pitching by Nola. Good to see Zach Eflin again. Um, just a really awesome game on on July fourth. Um, so that one just missed the cut as well. So again, without further ado, let's do the top ten games and moments from the first half of the Phillies 2023 season. At number 10, April 28th, revenge game down in Houston, World Series rematch. Aaron Nola on the mound, which is uh, one of his many uh, good starts in the first half against good teams, had a great one versus Atlanta, Tampa Bay. But none better as uh, none better than this Houston game. Aaron went eight innings, only gave up three hits, zero walks, and six strikeouts in a very nice revenge series, uh, beating the Astros two out of three in Houston. And on this particular day, they won by a score of three to one. So that was the number ten best game of the year. <laughs> 
Number nine, the Atlanta Braves at Atlanta at the end of May. A big series, May 27th, the Zach Wheeler game. Wheeler went eight innings in Atlanta, only gave up three hits as well, zero runs allowed, 12 strikeouts, which is a season high for him, and only one walk. Phillies won on May 27th in Atlanta by a score of 2-1. to one. That is the number nine best game of the year so far. Number eight really needed game in the beginning of the year when they were struggling against Miami on April 10th. Phillies exploded, woke up what what had been to that point a very sleeping offense. Exploded for 15 runs, and uh, even better than that, it was against last year's Cy Young, uh, National League Cy Young winner, Sandy Alcantara. Alcantara only managed to go four innings on this day, uh, gave up 10 hits and nine earned runs, which were all career worse. Um, the team managed to get 20 total hits that day, and they won it by a score of 15-3. to three. So that is the number eighth best moment of the first half of the year. Now we're getting to the uh, really dramatic, exciting ones. Coming in at number seven, we have the Toronto Blue Jays in town on May the 10th. Where the Phillies offense was struggling all day long. They uh, went into the bottom ninth trailing by a score of 1-0. to zero. When JT Real Muto hit a RBI game-tying double to send the game into extra innings. In which the Phillies held the Blue Jays scoreless in the top of the 10th. Setting up the bottom of the 10th where Bryce Harper came to the plate with runners on first and second with one out where he lined a line drive straight to the pitcher, setting up what should have been an inning-ending double play. What happened next? We have John Cruck and Tom McCarthy on the call. Bouncer back to the box. Wow, Mesa somehow flagged it down. And the throw goes past Guerrero. Here comes Sosa, the throw. Not in time! It pinballed around, and the Phillies win it. Two to one here in the bottom of the 10th inning. The errant throw by Bo Bichette, his fourth error of the season, and Sosa just kept on coming. Coming in at number six, capping off a dramatic series sweep against the Detroit Tigers in which every starter took a no-hitter into at least the sixth inning. Taiwan Walker, Aaron Nola into the seventh, and then Zach Wheeler into the eighth inning on this particular night on June the 8th. In spite of Zach Wheeler's no-hitter into the eighth, the Phillies ended up trailing 2-1 to one going to the bottom of the ninth when Bryce Harper did lead off the inning with a huge double. And what ensued, we have, again, John Cruck and Tom McCarthy on the call. And the 2-1. And a yes! left drive base and into right field. Rounding third is Turner. Speeding home. The Phillies have swept out the Tigers. Coming in at number five, we have the revenge game from the worst game of the year that I just mentioned against the Los Angeles Dodgers. On June the 9th, the Phillies entered the bottom of the ninth, tied 4-4, to and Kyle Schwarber came to the plate. We have Scott Fransky and Larry Anderson on the call. The 1-1, swung on, hit deep, right field, he's won it! 
Walk him off, Kyle Schwarber. <laughs> His fourth career walk-off home run. Kyle Schwarber wins it 5-4 to four in the bottom of the ninth inning. His 17th home run of the season. And the Phillies have won six in a row. Scott, I don't think he threw that where he threw the one before that. Coming in at number four, just a few days before the break on July 7th down in Miami. Phillies entered the top of the ninth down three to one when Alec Bohm cut the score to three to two with an RBI double. And with two outs and one on, Christian Pache comes to the plate. Fly ball, center field, pretty well hit. Myers going back toward the wall. It is gone! Pitch hit home run! The Phillies have taken the lead here in the top of the ninth inning. Christian Pache has come off the bench and has blasted a home run to center field and the Phillies lead it four to three. How about that? Never say die, Tom. Never, ever, ever say die with this club. Holy Lord's sake. At number three, we have in the very beginning of the year when the Phillies were struggling and in need of a dramatic victory on April the 8th against Cincinnati. Phillies struggled mightily all game um, through the first eight innings, only managed three hits and zero runs, and went to the bottom of the ninth down two to nothing. When in the ninth inning, they had three hits and three runs. This was the game where Nick Cassianos was dancing off third base to distract the pitcher in a pivotal moment. And Bryson Stock comes to the plate. Jabot checks the winning run, the pitch. Swing and a ground ball through the right side. It's a base hit. Marsh coming around third. He's being waved. The ball bobbled. The Phillies win. Yes. Bryson Stott has won it. The first walk-off win of the year for the Phillies as they rise up in the bottom of the ninth and score three and beat the Reds three to two. Unbelievable. That's why they wanted to come back home, to get back to this, to get back to this crowd, get back to this stadium and do what they did last year in the postseason. What a job. What a great job today. Phillies down 2-0 going to the bottom of the ninth. And they scored three times off the Reds' bullpen. Coming in at number two. And boy, let me tell you, it was hard. It was hard not to put this at number one, given the joy that we all get as Phillies fans from watching the Mets implode. Um, so this one was June the 25th against the New York Mets. We entered the eighth inning down 6-3. to three, And we ended up sending 10 batters, scored four runs on only one hit with three walks, two hit by pitches, and one very pivotal error. On the call for this one, we have the Mets broadcast team. And he grounds one to third, a chance for two. Beatty hesitates and throws low, and everybody's safe. Harper scores it six to four, and the bases remain loaded. Mets had a chance for two and got none. Two two coming. And inside and hit him, and the game is tied. Schwarber is hit by the pitch. 
Stott comes in to score. And the Mets have let a three-run lead get away. It's now 6-6. Six to six. And he hits him! And the Phillies take the lead! Two consecutive bases loaded, hit by pitches. And the Phillies go in front, 7-6. to six. Bullpen meltdown. And topping the list at number one in the best wins and moments from the first half of the Phillies season came on May the 24th against the Arizona Diamondbacks. In this game, the Phillies were trailing 5 to nothing at one point, and they went into the bottom of the ninth trailing 5-3, to three, in which at the height of Trey Turner's in-season struggles, he came to the plate with two outs and one on. And we have Scott Fransky and Larry Anderson with the call. And now Trey Turner will come to the plate. He's the tying run. Oh, he's due. Trey Turner 0 for 4 today, 1 for 12 in this series. Looking for a base hit to keep this game alive and bring Harper to the plate. Here's the pitch. Swung on, hit high in the air, left field. Carroll's back, track, wall, and it is gone! Game tied! Trey Turner has tied us up! His fifth home run of the season, and it's 5-5 in the bottom of the ninth. And then after that epic two-out, two-run home run by Trey Turner to force extra innings, the Phillies would hold the Diamondbacks scoreless in the top of the 10th. They would go to the bottom of the 10th, and they would load the bases with no outs, and Alec Bohm would come to the plate. Bases are loaded, infield is in, the pitch. In the air to right center field, this should do it. Smith going back to the track, over his head, and the Phillies have won the ball game. Dalton Guthrie crosses the plate. The Phillies down five runs at one point in this game. Have come all the way back as Alec Ball with his second career walk-off wins it in the 10th, 6-5. And that caps off the top 10 moments from the first half of this Philly season. And what a fun season it's been. Well, let's hope that we have just as much to cheer and get excited about in the second half as we close things out and try to make a run, another run at the World Series again this year, and hopefully we bring it home this year. So, as always, thank you so much for listening. I will be back next week for another edition of the Phillies Focus Pod. So, until then, y'all take care and go Phillies.